It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech from last Tuesday night and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhips. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Yes, that's what we do every Monday through Friday, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. There's plenty to have a conversation about. And we need to get our brains around these ideas out there because we are in the the fight of our life, I think, for our country. And be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. Uh, we'll keep you apprised of all of the upcoming guests, topics, and important events we're the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, and we offer a conservatarian perspective. So um, very excited about our event, Vino and Veritas, which will be starting January 28th. It is uh, the fourth Monday of each month. Uh, we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranwitter and his team at Speakeasy Ideas uh, to do a book study of the Federalist Papers. Uh, for many years, the Federalist Papers really wasn't even in print back in the, I think, maybe the 60s or 70s. People did not know what it what it said. And the Federalist Papers were written um, by, let's see, uh, let me remember, it was Madison and Jay and Alexander Hamilton making the case for ratification of the Constitution. And so it was uh, written to, to, so that people could understand what the purpose of the Constitution is in order to get it ratified. And we need to re-understand that, if you will, because clearly, clearly, there's many people that do not understand what the Constitution says and why it says that. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, the good news is, is that uh, we are having the book club. The bad news is, is right now, uh, we are totally sold out for January. So if you would like to get on the wait list, uh, be sure and e- you can email me, kim at com. We'll make that happen. And if you think that you would like to be part of the whole thing, each of these uh, lectures will stand alone. However, I highly would recommend that you go ahead and subscribe for the complete year. Uh, that way you are assured of having a spot. So once again, if that's what you would like to do, email me or you can go to our website and there is a link there as well Uh, so that is vino and veritas beginning on january 28th very excited about that lots going on i actually feel very serious today Uh, so i I think we need to have a little a little humor so we're going to start with one and this is it steve (laughs) not quite on that one steve did you ever wonder why all the oil wells are in texas and all the dipsticks are in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> that's, that's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, first subject that I'd like to chat about will be this whole Gillette toxic masculinity commercial. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that in this first segment. Second segment, Nancy Pelosi is acting like a teacher. She wants to see Donald Trump's State of the Union address in writing. She does not want him to give the State of the Union address. 
It's oh, astonishing. We'll wait for the second segment, but all I'll say is that's a little too easy to see through. Yeah, exactly. And then the third and fourth segment, we will be talking with Oz Guinness. He is the great, great, great grandson of the Dublin Brewer, uh, Arthur Guinness, who, you know, the famous Guinness beer. But Oz Guinness is one of the uh, foremost thinkers about um, the kind of a Christian apologet, uh, apologist as well as, I would say, an apologist for the American idea. And for most of you, you probably all know what apologist means, but it's in defense of. And so we're going to have a great conversation with him in the third and fourth segments as well. So, Steve, let's go ahead and let's jump into this whole Gillette toxic masculinity uh, commercial. As I we were preparing the um, promo for today, I was thinking, you know, Gillette, I think they're, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot because now all these guys, they're just going to go over to uh, the local mall and they are going to, from the Karate Kid. On right hand, wax off, left hand, wax on. Wax off. Breathe. In through nose. Out the mouth. Wax on. Wax off. Okay, so the Karate Kid is going to learn how to, uh, I think he's going to learn how to take care of the fence there, but I thought it was funny, the wax on, wax off, because that's what guys are going to do. Instead of using Gillette products to shave their whiskers, they're going to go over to the local mall, and they're going to wax on, wax off. But uh, it's really not a funny manner. Uh, I've been very concerned what we have been doing to our young boys for quite some time. We are wimpifying them. We're no longer teaching them to be men. And uh, I think that the total definition of a, of a real man is uh, a protector and a provider. I think that in the Christian context that that is really, uh, you know, really what men are supposed to be. And I've had the great opportunity to interview over 100 World War II veterans. We talk about them as the great generation. Uh, they are those that they, they strapped on their boots and they went and they stood against tyranny. And this, uh, this particular commercial doesn't even address the fact that, that there is evil and tyranny that we need to stand up against. It's just kind of a whole wimpify, kumbaya um, but there's some very dangerous undertones in the commercial. But I think, Steve, you put together a soundbite on that. I'd like to listen to it. For those of you that have, have not seen it, uh, they're preparing this for the Super Bowl. Um, so we're going to hear, hear the soundbite. And then I want to talk about some of the underlying tones on, in this that um, they almost make me weep. <laughs> Bullying. The Me Too the movement against sexual harassment. masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Just trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool. Not cool. Some already are. But some is not enough. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Okay. One of the first things there is when he says they need to say the right thing and do the right thing. 
we're not teaching our kids what's right or wrong anymore. Right and wrong has become relative. So th- that has no meaning in what, what they're talking about in this particular commercial. What is right? Um, you know, we no longer are teaching that. Steve, I remember um, back in the 80s when there seemed to be a real movement uh, to start to put our, our little boys on Ritalin. And I'm sure that there's some situations that that, that is necessary. But I, I really was concerned about that movement because they would say, oh, you know, this little guy fidgets a lot. He can't keep his hands to himself. He's not paying attention. And so immediately then what we started to do is we started to drug our little boys. And instead, uh, there's been studies that have shown that actually maybe more recess might be a good idea. And when I was a kid, we used to get to play dodgeball. We used to get to do things that you could get your aggression out and, you know, you can no longer play dodgeball. You can't, uh, you can't play uh, cops and robbers. You can't play uh, soldiers. I mean, it, it is a stand. So we say to all, all of our little boys, no, 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 no. And then, we, and then the Boy Scouts can no longer be the Boy Scouts. They have to add in girls to the Boy Scouts. And this was a place where we were teaching our little guys to become men. And, to, and, uh, and so this whole Gillette commercial, it just absolutely makes me cry. Do you have any comment on that or I'll continue on? Well, I, you know, I've been watching you know, the Me Too movement since it sprang up. And undoubtedly, you know, Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby, I mean, they're the, probably the older parts of this group. But obviously, much more obviously is the youngers. We're just basically reaping what we've sown for the last 30 years. And, you know. It's just, it, I almost come across it or come at it the same way you remember my comments on the, do we need more hate crime legislation, you know, more hate crime laws. And it's like, what laws are not out there? You know, or, pre- let me re- rephrase that. What can one human being do to another that's not already covered in our laws? Exactly. And yet you want this special classification of laws that... It's really redundant. Well, and then, but see, the reason is, is they use the special classification of laws then against other people. Mm. And that's why this is so dangerous. And I remember back, I think it was 1991, when we, I, I got in a very heated discussion with a, um, somebody that I know that is gay, where he was, was really advocating for, for this legislation that really pulled out, you know, these different groups as protected groups. And I said, you know, there's already laws on the books that you can't hurt other people. You can, you're not to take their stuff. And uh, and I could somehow inherently understand the danger that we were, you know, that was coming down the pike on this whole thing. So the connecting point then to my mind is like, okay, Gillette, you come out and you're really driving, trying to drive home this toxic masculinity thing. On one hand, I want to say, doesn't everybody already know? Don't guys already know what is right and wrong? And i got to stop myself and say, maybe they don't because of all the things that have been perpetrated in the last 20 years. Well, maybe they really don't know how to treat women. Well, uh, certainly, certainly I'm not sure where that guidance would come from uh, because we are no longer upholding, um, you know, Christian values, which certainly see the sanctity of a relationship between a man and a woman. Uh, So, you know, you know, we see the church attendance is way down. Uh, Boy Scouts, which is another place where, you know, we would teach boys to become responsible men. And once again, talking with many of our World War II veterans, they were Boy Scouts. But they, they realized that there was an evil 
in this world that you might have to stand and fight against. That is the no- another thing about this particular uh, commercial is you got two little guys that are fighting in the backyard, basically. And so the, the father comes over or, or the adult male comes over and says, hey, that's not how we act with each other. And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. Something might have happened. Did uh, boy A punch boy B? And so boy B's punching back. And one of the ways to stand up against bullies is to fight back. And so anyway, I actually would like to talk a little bit more about this before we get into the um, Nancy Pelosi bullying regarding the American people that uh, she wants to to uh, stop Donald Trump from giving this State of the Union address, which I find astonishing. But before we do that, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the great things about masculinity, I mean, football, uh, of course, that's been under assault as well. But uh, it is the NFL pl- playoffs, and I think that you, you know, I think everybody's getting pretty darn excited about it. So question is, is who's going to be moving on to the Super Bowl? But the bigger question is, is where are you going to watch the game? And a great place to do that is Hooters. Um, they are your game day headquarters. You can watch the, the playoffs and the big game there. They have all kinds of specials. Uh, so come into any Hooters during the big game, and you can enter to win a brand-new 55-inch HDR TV. And the other great thing is Hooters wings can fly. You can actually have them delivered to your door. And I do that every couple of weeks when I've got the girls over, and they love these fabulous new smoked wings. They are delish, and they're half the calories, so nobody feels guilty about eating them. So if you want to order your Hooters to go, or have them delivered right to your front door, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com for more information. And when you're in there, if you just let them know that you know the AmeriChicks, we'd greatly appreciate it. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, I want to talk more about this Gillette toxic masculinity commercial and uh, some of the under other underlying tones that I, I think are really dangerous and they, they really break my heart. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Check out our website, AmeriChicks.com, and that's where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, We're talking about the Gillette's new ad about toxic masculinity, and there is some real dangerous messages in there. First of all, we had heard the soundbite about uh, teaching our guys or, or having them do the right thing. But I'm not sure that we really understand what the right thing is anymore because we don't define what's right and what's wrong. It, when it became relative, Steve, I think that that started to put questions in people's minds. Well, back to the old, whose truth? Your truth or my truth? So we need to make sure that I, I think inherently we understand that we te- we're to treat others 
with respect. We need to, mothers, you need to be teaching your young men that we treat women with respect. Uh, and I think that this problem that they're talking about is, uh, I, I think a bit of it is, is um, I think it's, it, to some degree, it's, it's overblown. Uh, because um, as I look at this whole, whole advertisement, first of all, there is not one clip in this whole thing of a healthy relationship between a man and a woman. You do see at the very beginning there is a woman that kisses the man on the cheek, and then that is uh, it's, it's, uh, basically run through by a whole bunch of kids that are running wild. Now, a very dangerous message that's going on right there is almost all of those little boys that are looking like wild hooligans, they're all Caucasian. And so there's a real racial undertone in this this whole uh, ad as well because uh, it is depicting Caucasian males as... Um, as um, I don't quite know how to explain it, uh, that, that they are the toxic males. Let's put it that way. Perps. Yeah, and and uh, so even when they have a whole, there's a, a actually a bleachers full of people that that they're talking about toxic masculinity, and it's all Caucasian males except there is one Caucasian female in there. And when we were talking with Steve Kessler earlier this week. About, uh, you know, who's at the bottom of the, the barrel. It's basically your Caucasian straight male. But right behind them is your Caucasian straight female. And so the underlying racial undertones here is one that the Caucasian male is the one that is the, the perpetrator instead of, uh, of um, you know, actually holding up Caucasian males for what they have done since the founding of our country, standing against tyranny and, and spilling their blood and treasure to make sure that we can keep freedom and that people, you know, have this American idea. And it really is frustrating to me, Steve. I want to go back to a second and look at the motivation of, of Gillette. There's like a nice group forming and it's, you know, who, who, who are the main players or the bigger players, um, Starbucks, uh, Apple, computer delving into social issues with their advertising. And there's times, you know, now I'll add Gillette. There's times you just want to say, hey, just just sell your product, run your company, and don't be preaching at us. But what's the real motivation uh, behind Gillette airing something like this, you know, backing something like this? Is it really that they care about this particular topic, per se, or are they generating sales? Well, we'll see if they generate sales. I, I, I the message is it's I mean, dishonest. It's they a, blast themselves into the forefront of an issue like this, especially in a large, you know, say football Sundays like we're in the middle of right now as we go up towards the Super Bowl. So they're blasting themselves to the forefront of, you know, uh, being seen. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, good point. Now, there's two things that I'd like to address regarding women on this particular Gillette a toxic masculinity ad. And the first is, is there is a, a scene where it's a boardroom. And once again, if you look, it's all Caucasian males, except there's one woman. And uh, apparently the leader in the, the room, he he says that this is what she meant when she said something. So it's really belittling her supposedly, and then you, you, they cut to the woman, and she just looks defeated and a victim. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You know, if that is the case, if that happened, you know, 
we are teaching our young women to stand up against that. And so this whole victim mentality, they they say that they're trying to push back on the, the Me Too movement and all this victimhood out there, but yet they are portraying the woman as a victim. And I think that that's dishonest as well. And so that is so frustrating to me. And then there is no depiction of a healthy relationship between a man and a woman in this whole thing as we're talking about right or wrong. There's no depiction of men as the provider, and the protector that they are. You look like you're processing on that one. <laughs> I am, but okay. Th- this has been the buzz for the last I don't know seven or eight days, whatever the first time this thing hit the air, or it was previewed. Uh, so I, I walked away every time I hear a little snippet of people talking about it, or you see something on uh, you know on an, any news outlet website. I said I need to go see that. What is so? What is so striking about this? So this morning I pull it up. I'm I'm recording the obviously the audio, you know, so we play mm-hmm. it on the air. But I'm kind of missing as I'm looking from screen to screen the video that goes with it. And obviously for time's sake, I had to compress, you know, take out where it was just video only messaging because obviously we're a, an audio only medium here. But I must say, you know, everything they they portrayed in the video piece of it was a lot of the bad behavior you know that that goes on that kind of is the underpinning of their whole message so i'm not saying that you know there's there's not bad behavior out there and you're not saying that either but the the uh, overall context of this 60 second spot it, it does it does send a lot of bad messages it sends a whole lot of bad messages and so with that, I guess we're not really going to get to talk about Nancy Pelosi today and uh, well, the, the fact that she she doesn't want Donald Trump to give the State of the Union address. Talk about bullying. We need to sneak, you know, we, obviously we want to spend more time and flesh that out. But I would just want to ask your uh, forbearance here to say it is so easy to see through. She's scared to death of handing him another opportunity to give them a verbal thrashing. And if she can delay it for these cockamamie excuses, she'll do it. Well, she will. And she's also afraid that he's going to actually bring light to the fact that there have been thousands of Americans who have lost loved ones because of illegal aliens, sanctuary cities. These are criminals that should not have been here. And uh, he's continuing to, to hammer that message. And she does not want the American people to understand that. So I, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Before... We, we're going to talk to Jason McBride here in just a minute, but I want to share a World War II story, which is one of the reasons why I really uh, got involved in the World War II project, why, why we started it. And, you know, a lot of kids don't even know what happened in World War II. I was with a number of uh, middle school students before Christmas, and uh, I said, how many of you know about D-Day? How many of you know about Normandy? And Steve, not one hand went up. And I said, how about, how many of you have heard about heard about the movie Private Ryan? And one of the kids raised their hand and said, I think I've heard of that. And it broke my heart because I realized that we are doing our kids a disservice when we talk about toxic masculinity. I mean, we could uphold these men that, that strapped on their boots and, and they put it all on the line because they were standing up for what is right, which is freedom and tyranny. And uh, so the quick story I want to tell you is one of the guys that I got to go to Normandy with is Frank DeVita. And he was a a ramp operator on uh, one of the Higgins boats, first wave at Omaha. That means that the first group of soldiers that went on to the beach uh, there at Omaha Beach in Normandy. 
And these landing craft, these Higgins boats, they could typically put about 30 guys on there. And they're coming up to the beach. And Frank said, and he was a 17-year-old kid, bear in mind, just a 17-year-old kid. And he got the order to lower the ramp. And he didn't because he knew when he did that, the, the machine gun fire from the Germans was hitting the boat. And he knew that many of those young men would lose their lives. And uh, so he he was given the order again, and he did not do that. And so the third time they gave the order, he put down the ramp. And those guys went off the boat, and he said, out of the 30, only three made it to the beach. And um, so then he, I, he, he went back, and they continued back and forth. I think he did at least six trips that day, back and forth. And uh, he was so concerned about, you know, letting down the, the ramp. And, and so somebody said, you will get, a, there will be a short period of time. Those guns get hot that the uh, Germans are using. Those machine guns get hot and they have to let them cool and reload a little bit. And that will be the time. Just listen for that and drop the ramp there. And the guys are going to have a better chance. And so he did that. But Steve, the thing that I didn't really realize is they were going over and they were dropping the guys off. And they were storming the beach. But then after the first or second trip, they started to pull the dead and wounded, put them on the boat. They took that. They went back to the boat. The guys that were going to get in the boat took those dead bodies off, those wounded off, and they got in that boat. And they went back and they uh, uh, got in the boat and they went and they stormed that beach. And that is what I think masculinity is is those were guys that were willing to put it all on the line. And if we are not telling those stories, Gillette should have told that story instead of what they did. And um, we need to start to make sure that people understand that. Coincidentally, again, I keep going to Facebook. I should stop doing this. But there, was, <laughs> there is a picture of a, uh, of a group of five or six World War II soldier, soldiers in the Ardennes Forest. And the caption reads, nobody was complaining of toxic masculinity when we were fighting the Nazis. You got it. Okay. On that note, let's talk to Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. Jason, there is never a lack of news to get you bummed out or grumpy or some of those ads right now. I think I'm a little grumpy. But cheerful you, you think there's some pretty interesting uh, long-term market trends out there. So what might work in our favor this year? Well, you bet, Kim. Uh, now, going back all the way to 1941, pre-election years have been by far the most fruitful years for the markets, and we're in a pre-election year. Well, that's pretty, in- <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Is it a big difference? You know, it is. In election years, post-election years, and midterm years, uh, the Dow has averaged about five and a half to six and a half percent gains, while pre-election years it's averaged about fifteen percent. So that's a pretty big difference to me. Yeah. Okay. So is this political shen- shenanigans? Well, they always go on, so that's certainly possible. Uh, what the party in power is pulling out all the stops to try to make things look good, but. If I were them, I'd rather time that uh, in the actual election year before people forget about it. But uh, I haven't heard anybody accusing politicians lately of doing very much that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, you just take a look at Washington. That, uh, it's been kind of a dud recently, though, right? 
Well, yeah, this indicator uh, doesn't work all the time, and there's always a caveat to these things. And, yeah, the last three pre-election years have been kind of anemic, 2007, 2011, 2015, not a whole heck of a lot happened. So what do you think about uh, for this year? You know, at the end of last year, there was a a big drop. Are we going to get some kind of a bounce well, that's a really uh, astute question, Kim, and I was wondering the same thing myself. Uh, now, there have been ve- uh, many good gains in pre-election years where the market was quiet the year before, or it was actually making a big move up into the uh, year end. So uh, a drop late in the midterm year doesn't seem to be a prerequisite for us having a good pre-election year. But I'll tell you what, I went back and looked at uh, every midterm year leading up to pre-election years uh, back to 1941, and I think it's worth noting that in the midterm years when we did see a drop late in the year, uh, we have tended to have a good up in the pre-election year. So just a few examples, 1967, we were up 20%. 1975, 31%, 79%, 12%, 1991%, 26%, and 2003, also 26%. So with the end of last year being kind of crummy, maybe here in 2019 we'll break that three-year slump we've had. Well, that sounds great. It's always good to have something to look forward to and love talking with you every morning uh, with your, your stories, your bits of wisdom, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. And we've got our landing pr- page with you guys, right? It's Chicks. Well, you do. Uh, chickspresidential.com. And that's chickspresidential.com. And we'll talk you, to you tomorrow, Jason McBride. That sounds great. Have a good show, Kim. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we will be talking with Oz Guinness. He is one of the the great Christian apologists, and he's also a great apologist, makes a defense for the American idea. So we'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. We've got Oz Guinness on the line. Before we get to him, uh, we had Chris Cantwell in studio yesterday. He is a business broker, and uh, I, I really think Chris buys and sells opportunity. So the question is, it's 2019, and what do you want to do with your future? Maybe you've worked really hard created your business and the kids don't want it, or maybe you've just retired and you would like to have your own business and create some cash flow. So talk to Chris Cantwell 
at uh, Trans World Business Advisors. Uh, Chris Cantwell is an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. And he knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation. And uh, that is cccellscompanies.com. That's the best place to reach him is cc. That's like Chris Cantwell sellscompanies.com. And let him know that you know the AmeriChicks. And uh, so let's jump right in here with Oz Guinness. Oz Guinness is a speaker, an author, a writer, and he is one of the great thinkers of our time. His quiet voice for faith, freedom, truth, reason, and civility is it's very calming in these crazy times out here. And we could use more of that. And Oz Guinness is the great-great-great-grandson of the Dublin brewer, Arthur Guinness, who, of course, created the great Guinness beer. Uh, but, Oz, two things. We only, we only have you for two segments, and these are always so rich when we get to talk with you. So first thing, I'd like to chat with you just a little bit about your book, because we are in such a time right now. And this book that you have written recently, Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat, what what do you think there? What what are you saying there, Oz? Well, put simply, I'm arguing that many people today, without realizing it, are following views of America and freedom that don't go back to the American Revolution, but actually, without their realizing it, some do realize it, go back to the French Revolution and its heirs. And so we're at a very, very important time because the two revolutions have entirely different views of freedom, and they come out in different places. Okay, so explain that, um, because freedom, we, I think we inherently, we believe that that in our heart is a good thing, but two different definitions of freedom. What was the, uh, the French definition of freedom? Because as you mentioned, these revolutions were going on at the same time, but the outcomes were totally different. So what was the French definition of uh, freedom? Well, put very simply, freedom in the French way is the permission to do what you like. Whereas in the American Revolution way, which is decisively shaped by the Bible through the Reformation, freedom is the power, the capacity to do what you ought. And that's a very different view. In other words, freedom needs a framework. You know, free people, as the founders put it, need truth and virtue and character and so on. Not in the French way. And you can see those differences spell out in very great. For example, the American Revolution is very realistic about human nature. You need checks and balances, separation of powers, because humans go wrong. The French Revolution has always been utopian. Man is born free, everywhere is in chains, as Rousseau says. Remove the chains, sexual or whatever it is, and we'll all be happy, free, and fulfilled. And that's never worked out well. So, as you said, removing the chains, uh, we were just talking about, and I don't, don't know if you're familiar with it, but Gillette uh, Shaving Cream, they've just done this uh, um, commercial regarding toxic masculinity. And uh, I don't ever remember talks, you know, conversations about toxic masculinity years ago. It's only really been since we started to remove the chains from the 60s and 70s of... of uh, of kind of the sexual revolution that now we have toxic masculinity. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm kind of connecting a dot here that we have, we released the chains on all this. And then what we, we have what the left is call, calling toxic masculinity. I find that kind of interesting. If there's no rules, then it's astounding what you might get. 
Well, I knew one of the former chairman of Gillette, and I think he would be extremely sad and outraged at what's gone wrong with it, because they're politicizing it in a way that's absolutely foolish. And as you say, going along with basically cultural Marxist ideas, whether it's white domination or toxic masculinity and so on, they're politicizing things that should never be politicized. Now, it's important. Think of 2018. It's 50 years on from 1968, a very key event with all these things, when Rudy Deutscher called for a long march through the institutions. In other words, if you want to win, you've got to win cultural hegemony, dominance, in the world of the colleges, universities, the press, the media, the world of entertainment and Hollywood. Well, 50 years later, that long march is largely successful. And many of the ideas, you take the new members who come to Congress, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, their ideas are nothing to do with the American Revolution and everything to do with ideas that have come from 1789. America's very close to a Rubicon moment, a tipping point. You know, Lincoln's famous saying, as a nation of free people, either we'll be free for all time or die by suicide. And there are ideas now going rampant in America, which will mean national suicide in terms of a free republic. Uh, what can we do about this, Oz Guinness? Well, take the three main areas where we need to seek leadership. At a time of extraordinary division in the 1850s, you had a Lincoln who addressed the evils such as slavery and the division of the Union in the light of what he called the better angels of the American nature, and he believed in the Declaration. You don't have any Lincoln-like leader today with that sense of history and addressing the evils in the light of the better angels. That's a huge element, the lack of leadership. Then a second area, a lower level, is the restoration of civic education. Relatively easy to become an American, but increasingly difficult to know what it is to be American because the first things of the American experiment have been forgotten. And that used to be taught in the public schools, needs to be restored at the heart of national life. And then the third level, and that's one that touches many of us, is at the level of, of faith, a renewal in the churches. Because the scandal of the American church, the church in America, you look at all the West, it's the one country where Christians are majority, but uninfluential. And tiny groups, good groups, like, say, our Jewish friends, 2% of America but they punch above their weight, whereas Christians are a huge majority, but uninfluential, because they're not salty and light-bearing. So we need to see a renewal and revival within the Church itself. You know, but I feel that many of the mainline churches have moved away from from the gospel message of Christianity and have moved into political activism. And uh, so I think that that has been, in a way, a death of many of the mainline churches. And what can we do about that? Well, no, you're exactly right. Um, Think of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Who bewitched you? You're believing another gospel. And I'm saying America politically is believing another revolution. But you're exactly right. Ever since the 18th century, there's been a style of revisionism and particularly in the mainline churches since the 60s, that is another gospel, and it's committing 
ecclesiastical suicide, the mainline church is shrinking by the year. It's churches that are faithful that are really growing today. So there's a lesson there. We can't go that way. Well, and and uh, we certainly can't go that way there. You talk about civic education of our children, and it, we have something very astonishing that is happening out here in Colorado, which I don't know if you watch Colorado at all, but we now have a, a Democrat governor, a Democrat um, uh, Senate, and a de- Democrat House of Representatives. And, Oz, I submit to you that the Democrat Party of today, of Ocasio-Cortez, is not the Democrat Party of JFK. It's something totally different. It's moving radically, radically to the progressive activist left. And so we are using out here, there's proposal, you know, we have public education, and uh, and certainly this public education that, that we have overall, I mean, there's wonderful teachers out there, and there's people doing a great job, but, but there's also an underlying agenda that is breaking my heart. And there has been legislation that has been introduced out here in Colorado. It's, I think it's House Bill 1032, talking about sex education. And in this bill here in Colorado, it says that we can no longer use, it prohibits the use of gender norms uh, and gender stereotypes. So gender norms is he, she, or boy, girl. And that is legislation that is being uh, uh, introduced out here in Colorado, and it very well may pass. And that is so far away from what public education is supposed to be, in my opinion. Why don't you comment on that? We're, then we're going to go to break and come back and talk some more about this. But what's your comment on that, Oz? Well, Ken, there's no greater example of the influence of 1789 than the sexual revolution. And at the heart of it, if you go back to architects like uh, Wilhelm Reich, who gave it the term sexual revolution, or back to people like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and uh, the Marquis de Sade who are behind it. They are quite clear. They have two great obstacles, the church and parents. So you've got to knock out parents. That's why you want sex education at three and four and so on. And that's the perniciousness of this. Now, all those ideas, they're absolutely inimical to the American Revolution. And if they win... That's the end of the American Revolution as we've done it. So we're in the fight of our lives right now, aren't we? We're at a very, I call it the Rubicon moment. You know, when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, that cast the die and shaped Rome's future. And if some of these ideas win, and they're very, very close to it, they won in certain areas like the universities. If they win the culture, that's the end of America as we know it. You know, I'm, a, I, I'm not American. I'm an admirer of this country. America is the longest-running tutorial in the art of political freedom the world's ever seen. And if Americans squander their heritage in one generation, it would be a tragedy of historic proportions. Oh, that's for sure. I feel such a responsibility. Uh, One of the things that uh, one of our other projects is our World War II project, Oz, where I've had the great honor to interview over 100 World War II veterans. And as I think about the Patriots and I think about the, you know, the Civil War and I think about, you know, our soldiers, World War II, 
I feel such a responsibility to do everything that I can to pass on something good to the next generation because that is the American idea. That is what has made America, I believe, great. So we're going to go to break. Before we do that, uh, you know, the founders, they were brilliant. They realized that, that because of human nature, we might have things that might get out of control. And so they put Article 5 in the Constitution that says, hey, if something happens, people, the states, you can do something about that. And so Act 2 Reforms is a blueprint to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C., They want more fair, disciplined, open, transparent government, regardless of which political party is in uh, power. So active reforms, it's part of that Article 5 Convention of the States movement. They're located right here in Colorado. They have five things. They said that everybody, uh, all federal employees should be uh, enforce the rule of law on all federal employees, give Congress a quick tool to block new regulations, term limits for Congress, the judiciary, Uh, Make sure that Congress accounts for all the claims on the federal budget and sharply reduce the power of money in Washington, D.C. So check out act2blueprint.org for more information. That's act2blueprint.org. This is the Ameritix with Kim Munson. We will be right back with uh, Oz Guinness, uh, just a, a great voice for freedom. We'll be right back. Award winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with Remax Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The Americhicks know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly & Kim, recommend Predovich & Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all kinds of information. And we are the uh, AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have on the line with us Oz Guinness. He is an author, speaker, writer, and one of the great thinkers of our time. And his quiet voice for faith, freedom, truth, reason, and civility is such an important voice today. So, Oz Guinness, it is always an honor to get to chat with you. So, uh, again, welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Well, thanks, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Now, we were talking about uh, your book uh, and, and liberty and, and how, in essence, there's two different kinds of freedom. There's the freedom of the American Revolution. There's the freedom of the French Revolution. But one of the tenets that I think that is being used against the American idea is the freedom of religion. And uh, and we've heard Obama, he was talking about, oh, everybody should have the right to worship or the freedom of conscience. And there's a lot of different terms around this freedom of religion. So could you kind of break that down for our listeners, please? Well, Ken, if you look at American history, it's one of the great distinctives of this country that from the beginning... 
it had a stress on what they called civil and religious liberty. Whether it was coming to America or fighting the American Revolution, religious freedom was literally, as the famous put it, the first freedom. And right down, I was involved in the Williamsburg Charter in 1988. Then you had the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in 1993. Those were the high watermarks when you had a general American acceptance of religious freedom. Even the ACLU signed on to the second of those. But in the last 20 years, there's been a bigger sea change of religious freedom than in the previous 300. And I put it down to a number of what are called dark R's. You mentioned one of them, the reducers. Religious freedom is free exercise. That's Madison's term in the First Amendment. It was reduced by Obama and by Hillary Clinton for a while to freedom of worship. Or a second one was I call the removers. Instead of freedom of religion, it's freedom from religion, closer to the French style of, of things again. But the really problematic one is the third, the so-called rebranders. Religious freedom used to be positive and primary. It's now dismissed by certain progressives as a code word for bigotry, discrimination, and hate. And that is absolutely deadly. I could go on. But there's a bigger sea change of religious freedom in 20 years than the entire 300-plus years earlier. And that is absolutely disastrous, again, not just for America, although it's a huge change, it's disastrous for the world. Well, it is. And I think the founders, they realized that government should not be used to push an ideology, if you will, to, to force an ideology, to use public funds for a particular ideology or religion. And I have looked up religion, the definition And it is a set of beliefs. Now, when I have made this case for this, for example, I believe that the climate change has become a religion to some individuals, a belief system. I believe that the LGBTQ activist movement has become a religion. And when I talk about, you know, these big pictures, as a Christian on an individual level, I believe that Every individual is treasured and valued and precious. Um, But what I'm talking about is this ideology, and you can insert whatever, but there are these belief systems that now have been using, I think, government to put forward their belief system. And uh, that is what I think the founders thought was so dangerous. So many of us have thought it was Christianity that that they were saying freedom of religion. But I think that that they were concerned about using government to push forward ideologies, and then if you don't affirm those ideologies, they use government to take away your property or to quiet your voice. Your thought? No, Jim, I agree, uh, Kim, I agree with you. And you, Europe uses the word belief or ultimate beliefs instead of religion, because you can have naturalistic or secularistic ultimate beliefs. And the trouble with the so-called naked public square, as Richard Newhouse called it, the strict, strict, strict separationists, is they not only ban obvious religion from public life, they smuggle secularism and its various ideologies through the back door. And you've described that extremely well. But the overall movement you began with, you know, 19th century liberalism, classical liberalism, was the protection of the freedom of the individual against government. 
Whereas in the 60s, that shifted and became illiberal because liberalism today, which is really progressivism that's not very liberal, is using the government to promote various ideas of private interests and push them a very, very different view of freedom. And it's absolutely disastrous, once again, to the American Revolution. Well, we've had an example out here in Colorado. Uh, Jack Phillips with Masterpiece Cake Shop is is a Christian. And uh, a a gay couple came in and uh, asked him to okay to make a cake for uh, in celebration of or for for their gay wedding, or um, in celebration of their their gay wedding. And interestingly enough, first of all, Oz is this request was made before Colorado had legalized gay marriage. So this all occurred before that. Uh, But anyway, uh, Jack politely said, you know, that I I believe that marriage is between a a man and a woman, and I can't do that. Uh, And and I believe it was a setup. They immediately um, ran to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, who came in and said to Jack, if you do not affirm our belief, if you do not affirm, in in this case, I'm going to use the word religion, if you do not affirm this, then we are basically going to say you can't do your business anymore, which is an assault on property rights. And so Jack said, I can't. And he lost 40% of his business because he no longer did wedding cakes. And I know that there's been many that have talked about this in the Supreme Court case, the freedom of religion. Uh, but I also think it's a property rights issue. It is, it's wrong that government comes in and says, if you do not affirm, fill in whatever the blank is, we're going to take your business. Again, I think the founders understood the great danger in that, Oz. Well, you know, you're again exactly right. And, of course, when Jack won in the Supreme Court, that very day they came with another test case. You know, but if you go back to Rousseau, he had the effrontery to talk about people following the general will and therefore being, quote, forced to be free. And you can see today, take one of the New Mexico Supreme Court decisions, that that coercion was, quote, the price of citizenship. You know, once again, we're in a very, very dangerous, highly liberal moment, and anyone who loves freedom, Christian or atheist, needs to stand against these things, recognize what's happening, and be resolute, because there are two different views of freedom, and one of them, in France, led to the reign of terror, disastrous in Russia, disastrous in China, and it will be disastrous in the United States, too. So we haven't got long, but people's eyes need to be open. Well, and that's what we do every Monday through Friday on our show. Oz, we only have just about a minute. What is the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners, Oz Guinness? Well, we really are approaching, I said earlier, the Rubicon moment, a tipping point. And people better wake up, think, pray, analyze. You know, Max Dupree's famous line, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. No use saying make America great again if we don't say what made America great in the first place. And that's the missing thing today. People concerned with the first principles of the American experiment. Well, to that point, Oz, one of the things that we are doing, we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter with Speakeasy Ideas. He is a, a real expert on America's founding, the Federalist Papers, and Lincoln. And we are starting something called Vino and Veritas, where we are going to go through the Federalist Papers uh, and starting on January 28th. And I, I take great heart in this because it is already sold out. We are really excited about it, Oz. Wonderful. 
Okay, Oz Guinness, it is always such an honor to have a conversation with you. God bless you, and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, Steve, it is always great to talk with Oz Guinness. He is such a great thinker, and I always love that British accent as well. So uh, we are at the end of the show. It's been a great show. Thank you to all of you, our listeners, and I love hearing from you. So many of you are emailing me at kimandamerichicks.com. So let me know what you like, and certainly let me know if there's things that you uh, want us to talk about or things to approve upon. But our quote for today is from George Washington in his first inaugural address in 1789 regarding the laws of nature. He said, the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. This is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We'll be back tomorrow. And I don't want-